Camille Virginia is the author of The Offline Dating Method and has a bachelor's degree in business, 10 years in corporate America, and now has five years behind her with her own business. As a social skills coach, she believes that we are scared that our real selves will be rejected or we aren't sure who we really are. Camille's mission is to help people of all gender identifications, sexual orientations, and relationship status tap into everyday opportunities to feel more connected with their fellow humans and to get a hot date in the process. We dove deep into our conversation about confidence and dressing for the conversation with a piece of clothing that could be a great conversation starter. She also mentions that if you're nervous or afraid to make the first move, Begin with giving a person of the same sex a compliment or even someone from your parents' age group. You know, that can kind of be a buffer between your hesitancy of reaching out to somebody you find attractive. This is a good baby step to get towards where you want to go. Um, please don't forget that we have our weekly social media detox completely free where we take from Friday morning at 8 a.m. through Monday morning at 8 a.m., to disconnect from social media so that we can reconnect with our family and friends when it matters most. After over four and a half months of doing this myself, each and every weekend, leading in the group by text message, I feel less anxiety when it comes to dating, less anxiety in my overall world, and I am so much more productive when it matters the most when I'm going to take Madison to lunch or hitting jujitsu class Saturdays and Sundays. I feel so much better after taking four and a half months every single weekend to do a social media detox. Head on over to believe, berealbebold.com and sign up for completely free. Without further delay, let's get into today's episode with Camille Virginia. Welcome to the Believe, Be Real, Be Bold podcast for authentic dating. My name is Dave Glazer, online personal trainer and obsessed with the Enneagram personality assessment. After going through a couple of breakups in 2017, I came across some really inauthentic people when dating in Denver. And instead of getting frustrated, I decided to create a community of authentic people myself. Come along with me on this path to authenticity as we welcome expert guests and real-life daters to share their tools, tips, and knowledge to help you show up as your most authentic self. Hey guys, welcome back to the BBR podcast. I am pleased to invite my guest, uh, Camille Virginia. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Dave. Oh, it's my pleasure. Absolutely. You're, you're hailing from Portland, but uh, that doesn't necessarily uh, mean that you're going to stay permanent there. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I, I love traveling the world, the US, anywhere, even just down the street can be really fun. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of in travel mode, but in Portland for a little while and then hit, hit the road. And I hear that you can make friends anywhere you go. Is that right? <laughs> That's part of probably why I love traveling so much. Yeah, especially because I didn't used to be able to do that. And so having this power that I kind of taught myself and now help others to teach, which I know we'll get into, um, I, I can meet friends anywhere and it's just the most beautiful thing. So why not go everywhere? <laughs> Sure, absolutely. I'm wired the same way where I just seek personal connection, that one-on-one, -on -one, um, deeper than surface level connection. So can't wait to get into today, but uh, let's let our listeners learn a little bit more about you. Um, where did you get the inspiration to write um, your book, Offline Dating Method? Is that what it's called? That's what it's called. Yeah. Um, well, and it's the offline dating method, how to attract a great guy in the real world. But what I say is, 
you know, ignore the subtitle if, if that doesn't speak to you, because it really is just about human connection. So um, I've had my business master offline dating for about four or five years, where I help single women get the power to meet their partner in everyday places like the grocery store or at the airport. And my journey with that has been very personal because as I mentioned, I grew up shy. I actually, actually had social anxiety and I just got sick of it. So I kept pushing myself out of my comfort zone and I just fell in love with connecting with people. And, um, and I started getting asked out in random places as a result of just creating connections with people. And so as online dating hit the market, Tinder, uh, Tinder came on board and people kind of lost the ability to do this. And I was still getting dates at the grocery store. So, um, I'm very passionate about human connection and it can lead to a date. It can lead to a new friend, whatever it is, but it's all the same skills. When did you go from shy to confident in order to attract uh, men everywhere you went? Oh, it was definitely a process. And I really thought that, um, as it was happening, I thought that everyone could do this. So I thought that, uh, you know, when you're walking down the street, it's totally normal to get a date. And I, I had to learn from my friends who were asking my advice on how to do that, that it, it wasn't. And I had just kind of over probably a decade taught myself how to do this and how to connect with people and um, let my love of human connection take over my, the fear of anxiety. And um, so it was a very gradual process. But looking back, hindsight's twenty twenty. now I have a nine-step process that I can teach to anyone to get the same results that doesn't take a decade. <laughs> now, why do you think it's that the, the fear of rejection is what holds people back from like taking that initial step to talk to a complete stranger or somebody that they're attracted to? I think that because we spend so much of our life behind a screen these days, that when we go for a long time without having that face-to-face -face connection, that anxiety and that fear of rejection can get to like crazy, ridiculous proportions, even though it's not real, it's just been left unchecked. So when you make it a habit to just like, even just give one person a compliment a day, who's a stranger that you don't know, um, when you make it that habit, the fear doesn't have a chance to grow. And I know even for myself, when I was writing my book, I would go for weeks without talking to people sometimes because I was so heads down. And it took me a little while, you know, even me, a social skills coach, to get back into the groove of talking to people, sometimes a few hours, sometimes a whole day. So, you know, multiply that for people who don't do that for years, and it can be terrifying. Now, you were talking about the fear of rejection where we're heads down and we're behind a screen. Whether we're in person, offline, or online, that feeling of rejection is still there. So, uh, which is worse, and and how do we kind of change our mindset from getting rejected, um, both in the real world and online? So, I think that I hate to say make it a numbers game. I don't really like that phrase, but make it a habit to to disprove your fear. So whatever your fear is, if it's fear of rejection, if it's fear of looking ridiculous, fear of being awkward, um, you know, make it a habit to say, what's one step I can take that is going to, to like cut that down a little bit. And when you slowly do that over time, it, it's kind of like meditation. When you make it a habit, I mean, the first time you may not feel anything, the 30th time, you're not even going to think about it. You just can kind of get into the groove or, or like driving even, you know, we don't, consciously think about driving much anymore, even though when we first got in that car, it was like, oh my God, what am I doing? So um, 
take the opportunities to disprove the fear and don't let it rule over you, whether it's in person, behind a screen, um, whatever it is. But I think there can be baby steps, like maybe you have social anxiety in general, try talking on the phone to someone, like maybe if you're single and want to date someone, you meet someone either offline or online, talking on the phone is a good next step or doing a video call could be another next step. And then the next step would be in person. So don't terrify yourself, but try to take those baby steps to keep moving forward against your fear. And if somebody is like really shy and they do have a little bit of social anxiety and they may not want to take the initial first step to approach somebody in public, how do you help them become more approachable so that maybe they don't have to um, kind of leap over that fear um, of speaking to somebody first? Sure. So um, I like to say dress for confidence and a conversation. And this is where, you know, it's amazing what clothes can, the kind of energy that clothes can bring to your confidence, to, um, you know, when you walk into a room, how you feel. Um, and so dress in something that just makes you feel good. I think because we tend to trend more casual these days, it can be so easy to be like, oh, I'm going to throw in my frayed yoga pants and go to the store, which is fine. But then you're in a mentality where you kind of want to, don't want people looking at you because you're like, I'm in my frayed yoga pants. So if you can instead wear something that just makes you feel amazing while also being a little bit different, like maybe it's a bright colored scarf or a certain pattern or a vintage necklace that gives other people something to comment on because as much as anyone watching right now is afraid of rejection, everyone around you is afraid of rejection too. So they're just as terrified to come up to you as you are to go up to them or have them come up to you. So some, wearing something that's a little bit different and standing out, showing your personality can be a great way, safe way for someone to start a conversation with you and just give you a compliment. And then be, be ready when that happens and like tell a little story or have a question to ask back so it doesn't just end at, the, uh, at that icebreaker too. I can think of so many times as a personal trainer where I quote unquote, wear my formal pajamas to work. And I would run to the grocery store, run to the gas station immediately after my morning clients in between my afternoon clients and like go head down. Oh, I hope nobody sees me at the grocery store. Cause I'm in my, I'm in my sweatpants that have a little bit of like, um, gripper chalk on it, or <laughs> I can put myself in the shoes of that person you're talking about wearing the frayed yoga pants. I've been there before. Yeah. And it's common and we don't think about that, right? By the time you're in your frayed yoga pants and you're, you're now talking to the cute girl or guy in the checkout line, you're like, Oh crap. Oh, well, <laughs> so if you plan ahead of time and plan for these opportunities to happen, it's amazing how many, how much more they tend to happen and how much more prepared you feel for them. Mm -hmm. I got really good advice recently about like, Dave, just be open, you know, be open to receiving that compliment. And you said something that like, have something queued up and ready to go to say in response beyond just thank you very much. Have a nice day. Mm -hmm. What are some of your best natural icebreakers in that situation? So um, I would say to use what's around you as the icebreaker. So like in the moment, the person who gave you that compliment didn't plan that before they left the house, which was great because it was in the moment, hey, I like her scarf. I'm going to go tell her I like her scarf. So um, to kind of have something ready, if you know that your scarf tends to get complimented, 
a little story about that could be, oh, thanks, red's my favorite color, or I got this in Turkey uh, when I was there last year, or, um, you know, what caught your eye about it, if it's like a specific pattern. Um, and, and so you're asking a question back or giving a little bit more details for them to go off of. I would say ask a question back whenever you can. That, that really gives the conversation the next direction to go into. And when in doubt, just ask thank you or say thank you and ask, how's your day going? That's always a line that you can use in any situation. And I can imagine that being in that, in that situation out in public, maybe you, maybe you were open to receiving a compliment, so you wore your red scarf. And then how do we filter out people who are meant, not meant for us when they do give us a compliment? Um, maybe it's just a 30-second interaction in the grocery store. How do we kind of like tune into our intuition and say, you know what? That was nice of them to give them the compliment. I received their number. I don't think I'm going to call. How do we filter out those that not meant for us? I think you have to go into your intuition with this. And so to think that you're going to get like that lightning bolt love at first sight, that's probably not going to happen. In fact, I will say from experience that when that happens, those people are not the people that you want in your life long-term. There's something like instant connection. And like, what is that quote? The flame that burns the brightest. Burns out the fastest. <laughs> you know, yeah. Goes out the first or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, even as a seasoned dating coach who has been asked out hundreds of times, I need to let people show me who they are and I need to not make a judgment about them in that moment and just go with my gut, see where the connection goes, you know, maybe think about it a little bit later if they gave you their phone number or you gave it to them, whatever that, that looks like. And there's a difference between not, you know, being too open and saying yes to everything and then also shutting things down because, oh, I didn't feel like, I didn't feel chemistry in the, in the five seconds that we talked. Like, well, yeah, you, you, of course you didn't. No one does. And if you did, you should probably run. <laughs> so um, so to, have, to, to give people a chance, and this is where if you get clear on your values, so if you're a single person, what you want, the values that you want in the other person, name everyday actions associated with those values. And that's how you can spot the quality people. It's not by how they look. It's not about their race. It may not even be about their gender. You, you know, you never know. So get clear on the values. What do those everyday actions look like? And then try to spot people based on that and go deeper into your tuition before below surface level, what they look like. Because looks, looks don't matter. And they fade as well. They fade as well. And frankly, I know some really attractive people who are total jerks and I don't even want to be in the same room as them. And I know people who are not that attractive who are the best people. Same here. So you bring up a very good point there of values and everyday actions. And if you're consistently going to places that you enjoy out in public, maybe wearing your red scarf or dressing for the um, conversation, you're going to find like-minded people say, you may go to the gym five days a week. You might actually wear your favorite pink tank top or whatever. And, and you might find somebody with the same values and the same daily actions as yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And you never know. That's why the more you can dress that is specific to your personality that feels comfortable, if it's a graphic tee of your favorite band, if it's the scarf you got in Istanbul, um, that will naturally kind of pull the right people towards you. I mean, it sounds a little esoteric, but, but it's true. You know, you, but you, you got to put out your bat signal in order to, to let people know, to let the right people come to you. Mm -hmm. 
I love that. Like we want the right people to come to us. And why is it that we seek meaningful connection over almost anything else beyond our basic um, survival needs like food, water, sleep, and sunshine and things like that? I mean, that's hardwired within us. Nature has made us social creatures. You know, it's kind of like, um, this is a weird example, but I'll say it anyway. It's what popped in my head. Wildebeest. <laughs> like if they would not survive, if they were solitary animals, I mean, the lion would be like, great, low, uh, solitary wildebeest. He's out of there. He's mine. So nature has wired them to stay in a pack so that the majority survive. And that's what we were as humans for thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of years, that's how we survived was we built communities and we relied on each other and we raised each other's kids. That hardwiring has not gone away and it's not going away anytime soon, especially not with the invention of the iPhone, you know, like that didn't change our hardwiring. It changed how we connected, but unfortunately it has not been fulfilling us at a deeper level, which is present in every human, maybe minus sociopaths, but we're not speaking to them right now. So just people who need connection and actually care about other people, 99% of the population, they, they need this, even if they don't know that they do. Yeah, we've definitely filtered out the sociopaths from our audience. <laughs> they don't, they don't <laughs> like how drawn often to you. <laughs> no, they don't like how often we talk about Brene Brown. <laughs> the Brene repellent. <laughs> yes, that's exactly correct. If you want to repel a narcissist or sociopath, just bring up Brene Brown and vulnerability. <laughs> That's awesome. It's very natural, organic. I totally understand. And it's a time saver too. Like the more I talk about Brene Brown, the fewer narcissists come my way. You're putting out the right signal, just like we were talking about with our clothes, right? And naturally, you know, repels the wrong people and brings in the right people. That's right. And even though we are hardwired for connection, it's our biology, it's in our DNA, DNA, um, we are feeling more isolated than ever before because of that screen that we hide behind. Um, what do we do to change someone's swiped over mindset to meeting someone offline for that genuine, genuine, meaningful convert, uh, connection? So um, I would say people tend to be ready for this. You know, I don't want to convince anyone who loves online dating or apps that they should be offline. If you love it and it's working for you and you've met your soulmate, Godspeed. That's well, then awesome. Then no, you're no longer online at that point. <laughs> Hopefully not. If you are, that's a bigger problem. <laughs> that is maybe not your soulmate. And maybe you should, you know, probably see a therapist. But um, we know a few yeah, good ones. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, to, um, I don't know, to, I totally lost my train of thought. What were we talking about? That's all right. Uh, <laughs> how do we change someone's swiped over mindset to meeting someone offline? That's right. So um, if you love online dating and apps, then that's wonderful. But most people don't. And it's because, you know, at that deeper level, it's not fulfilling. But on top of that, they're also getting told that they're, you know, it's, it's awful. Like the, I call it the mean behind the screen. So um, most people's mindset are, I don't like online dating already. So if you're, if you're problem aware, that's great. The next step would be, um, do you, how do you want to meet people? Do single, the thought of singles events give you hives or make you feel excited? Then maybe go to singles events. Do you want to meet someone and have your like little 
you've got mail moment and meet in a bookstore or something, um, then you're going to have to do a little work um, to practice getting comfortable with that, but it can absolutely happen. So there's a lot of different options. I say do what lights you up. And if it's to meet people in the real world, I got you covered with that. <laughs> and you and I have similar philosophies and viewpoints on online dating. And uh, we only just met as a referral through uh, Dr. Hick, you know, and she's one of those that I would recommend for anybody to go see here in Denver. But um, what do you do to help people detox from their social media or online dating app addiction? Ooh, well, I would say it's, it's not quite my area of expertise, but what I would recommend is um, reading Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. Um, that's a good like 30-step detox or 30-day 30 day detox. Um, but really it's simple things like for me, I deleted the, uh, the social media apps off the phone. Like I'm, I'm, I've never been on a dating app, so didn't have to delete those, but, um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, it's not even a, a thing to do anymore. They're just not there. Uh, you could turn your phone to black and white so that as messages pop up, those little red dots that you're like compulsed to take care of, they're not red anymore. <laughs> um, and then practice talking to people. You know, it's one thing to, and I actually told Cal Newport this, um, it's one thing to kind of detox from your life, uh, the digital aspects, but then you need to fill that with something else. You need to start connecting with people and it doesn't have to be to get a date. It could be if you're a woman who's attracted to men and the thought of talking to men is super terrifying right now, just focus on giving compliments to other women, genuine compliments. Um, or asking questions or things like that, and then move on to elderly men. So take those baby steps to get comfortable with what you want your ultimate path or paths to meet people, uh, to meet your partner to, to be in. Oh, that's really good advice to like take baby steps outside of your comfort zone with um, people that you trust initially, maybe of your same gender. Um, I go to a couple of men's groups and I, I try to make genuine connection um, every other week there um, so that I'm better prepared to make genuine connection outside of my comfort zone. And then I never thought about like uh, going to an, a different age group of having a connection there, like somebody from our grandparents' generation or our parents' generation. Uh, that's a really good tip. Um, have you seen success from that? Because I know that, that you've been asked out by men that span 50 years worth of age differences. Is that where that came from? Uh, that was more, um, there was an outlier on one of the, one of the ends who was kind of a, uh, you know, he was in his 60s, um, late 60s, but he was still like, by God, I've still got it. I'm still charming. I was like, oh, you're adorable. Um, More of a paternal yeah. feeling there than anything else, right? I, for me, yeah, I don't, I can't speak for him, but uh, probably not paternal, but, uh, but yeah. <laughs> still flattering nonetheless, right? Um, but yeah, I would Absolutely. Oh, yeah. He, he's a great guy. Um, and I think he would flirt with a light post, to be frank. So, you know, like he just loves, he loves flirting and being charming and stuff. Um, if you so, got it, flaunt it, I've always said. Right? Yeah, have fun. <laughs> the exchange of uh, connections should be, should be a fun one for both people. It shouldn't, you shouldn't be sacrificing your enjoyment of connection to make the other person feel good and, and vice versa. So, um, so yeah, I forgot the question. 
the question was to um, connect with somebody from a different generation or a little bit older so that it feels a little bit more comfortable or safer as a baby step towards um, connecting with somebody that you are romantically interested in. Yeah, and, and this could be, it could be, yeah, elderly gentlemen, elderly women, it could be little kids, you know, you could, you could talk to the five-year-old who is holding his mom's hand and, you know, she's getting something and you're like, well, you look, you look very handsome today or you look like a smart little boy or something like that and then walk away. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's just like, it, it's playing with it. If it's, it's having fun, it's that, that hit of intuition that comes in the moment, it's following it as opposed to, oh no, I don't, I don't want to bug them. I don't, you know, I, I don't want to be annoying or they'll think I'm weird. The fear will creep in if you hesitate. So I call this my mind to mouth move where it's like you think something and as long as it's positive or neutral, just say it, just say, it. you want to know where that she got her cute dress, go ask her. Don't even, over, don't even overthink it. Just do it. Okay. I got it. Definitely. And, and if you don't try or if you don't take the risk, if you don't take the chance, then you might miss out on a great opportunity of making a genuine connection with a new friend or that romantic partner that it could grow into something. And now that we're talking about that chemistry and that flash of that fire that burns deep inside you, we were just briefly talking about attachment styles kind of gravitating towards each other. And I can relate because we were discussing your anxious attachment and my avoidant attachment and how oftentimes they collide and it's this um, almost like a, cataclysm of just it's that burst of fire it's the chemistry that might actually be burning and we need to be aware of attachment versus connection don't you think i think that's good and this is and i would actually love to know your opinion on this dave of where would you kind of draw the line or how would you categorize connection versus attachment I've been thinking about this question, and I'm so glad you asked. I literally have been thinking about this question a lot. And doing daily check-ins for myself, if I'm seeing somebody, is like, how secure am I feeling when I don't hear from that person in a reasonable amount of time? Or how secure do I feel when it's been two weeks between dates or longer? And those check-ins are so important for me to understand whether it's a connection or an attachment. And uh, it's very, very hard skill to learn. It's a very, very hard process to go through because first of all, you need to be very self-aware and you also need to be um, tuning into your intuition so that you can filter out the thoughts that are untrue versus the thoughts that are actually true. And to sum it all up, the the biggest difference between attachment and connection is how you feel in your gut instinct when that person is not around. Ooh, interesting. I like that. Mm -hmm. mm. And if you're anxious, like you might resonate with, when if you're anxious between dates or if you're anxious between conversation or connection be between yourself and that person, then that's something to tune into through your intuition. From my point of view as an attachment style, does she come up in my mind when we're not talking or when we're not around? And mm -hmm. my avoidant attachment in the past, I'm actually generally more secure now until I find the polarity between anxious and avoidant or secure and avoidant or secure hmm. and anxious. And that's what Dr. Hick and I um, talked about for almost an hour on her episode. 
is how those uh, polar, polar opposites gravitate to each other. But from my avoidant, am I simply just like, oh, I haven't heard from her in three days, I'm out. Well, that's an attachment and not a connection. Interesting. I'm so curious, what makes you, because what, what did you want from her instead as an avoidant? Because it sounds like not hearing for, for, from someone for three days would be great for an avoidant, but maybe I am wrong. So if you're, you, you and I were talking about Attached by Amir Levine, and it should be a required reading for every single person, every oh engaged person, every person in a couple, every married person should read Attached by Amir Every Levine. human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And what I've discovered by uh, interviewing experts like uh, social worker Natalia Saman is a good friend of mine and a former client. She was talking about how the behavior of an avoidant attachment style, herself and myself included, in the first three months actually behave a little bit more like an anxious attached. Where Mm -hmm. in those first three months, we know that we're going to eventually want to avoid the other person or avoid the attachment and want our space and want our distance. So our natural tendency is to be a little closer in the first three months so that we build trust and so that we build a connection, excuse me, not a connection, but an attachment at that Mm. time. And then when our true colors start to come out around three months, that's when the avoidant actually appears. Interesting. So you've laid the foundation and you're all good. Now you need your space. And meanwhile, the anxious who was like, this is great. They're paying a lot of attention to me. What the hell just happened after the three months? <laughs> That's exactly what happens when those two polar opposites gravitate to each other. And what Dr. Kristen and I were talking about is how a secure attachment style where I feel like I sit now is awesome for either an anxious or an avoidant because we teach the other person how to love us and how to be loved in return. I love that. And thank God 50% of the population is secure. Like, (laughs) oh, but, but it's interesting because like avoidance make up the the largest part of the dating pool because they stay for obvious reasons. Exactly. Or they're back on the market real quick. Mm -hmm. After three months. (laughs) Yes, which is when my a lot of my relationships like turned three months, which is so fascinating that you say that. So hmm, interesting. That's why that's why we're here is because um, I started to recognize patterns in my own relationships. I went through two long term relationships back to back, about three and a half years each. And when it came down to, Dave, are we gonna are we gonna do this or not? Well, my avoidant attachment style at that time was like, no, thank you, I'm out. Um, because I felt pressure or because I felt um, kind of grasped onto or clung to. And Mm. I always knew that they weren't going to be the long-term relationship that I was looking for, but I was comfortable and I settled into a relationship. And that's where people get into um, repeated patterns. If they continue to get into long-term relationships, then they kind of settle into that groove of stage two or stage three of the relationship. And then ever since then, I've gone through maybe three, two and a half to three month long situationships or relationships. And that's why we ended up with this podcast is so I could figure out why that was and how to fix it. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's, that's so powerful. Like, I mean, that's why I have an offline dating business is because if you had told me 10 years ago, I'd be an offline dating coach or any dating coach, I'd be like, uh, I need that. (laughs) 
so we've we've walked the walk and gone walked through the fire and uh i, I love that <laughs> every coach needs a coach and you know i i spent earlier this morning with my counselor and i see her every other week and it's the best thing for me because I need an objective observer who's on my side, who wants to see me succeed and win, but is also going to call me on my BS too. Right. Yes. Yep. So important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to, you know, to your, even to your point of defining connection versus attraction to know when it's an intuitive hit versus your ego talking to keep you safe. Like, you know, I've actually had several conversations just today about the same thing of like trying, you have to go deep and you have to, learn which is which and which one to follow and which one to ignore and realize it's all coming from good places for the most part, but it's not all serving you. That's right. A lot of times it comes from our biology and our instincts and um, what has to override the untrue stories that we've been telling ourselves in our mind for maybe that 10-year period or for me, maybe the nine-year period of two longer-term relationships and then two years of being single. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's never too late to do that. And that's why, you know, I, I love that, you know, people who are into self-development, it's never ending. Like it's, you just uncover layer after layer and you learn new things about yourself. And meanwhile, you're changing as a person and evolving and life circumstances happen. And um, it's just a beautiful thing. And that's why for me, what's important to have in a partner is someone who's also on that journey, not someone who wants to just stay stuck and say like, nope, I'm good. I've learned everything I want to. I'm done. Like that is super unattractive to me personally, who's into self-development. So that's why if anyone's watching and they want to start meeting people offline or, you know, even just detox from the apps, whatever it is, the first time you talk to someone, it might be a little scary. Maybe it sounds scary even just thinking about it right now, but that second time you do it, the third time you do it, the fourth, like you will get into this group and you're naturally wired. You already have everything you need to make these connections. Um, you know, people like Dave and I are just here to help you to give examples and to give tools and tips and, and things like that so that um, you, can, you can do it in, in less time than it took us to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> when we are lifelong learners, uh, we get into this habit of doing it on our own for ourselves, you know, like, oh, I totally want to learn all about that but I'm going to do it by myself. And uh, another purpose of the podcast is to build a community of people like ourselves who are into personal growth and development, who do understand that self-awareness is going to help us in the next relationship or our current relationship and actually be happier and healthier when we go through it. I love that. There's so much we can learn from each other too. I mean, even, even what you just said about it, anxious and avoidant attachment styles, I was like, I didn't know that. That's so great. Now I've, I've got a new piece of um, information to kind of make sense of my experiences, past, present, and future. So that's awesome. And now what happens while we're, while we're talking about personal development and, and growth, uh, what happens when one partner wants to do that work and journey and have their partner jump on board with them and the other person, the other person is a little bit reluctant or like, you were talking about, they feel like they've arrived. I mean, speaking from my perspective, that would be, that would be a deal breaker for someone who doesn't want to continue on their own journey. It doesn't have to be the same journey I'm on, whatever that is. I, mean, I couldn't even really define that. It's just 
following things that light me up and reading and learning and things like that. But to not have the the yearning, I don't think I've ever used that word before, the yearning to, um, to get more knowledge and learn about yourself and uncover these layers, that's not something that you can, quote, work on. You either have that or it, it is within you and just maybe needs to be ignited or you don't. So maybe two people who are not on, on the self-development journey find each other and they're happy and they call the day and that's great. But I think it would be very hard to have one person who's into self-development and not the other person. What do you think? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, You would feel very stuck in that environment or um, there's an analogy of lobsters who, or crabs, uh, one of the two where one crab wants to climb out of the pot that's on the, on the stove and the other crabs just keep clawing that one back into, um, into the pot. And I equate that to a lot like a relationship where one person wants to grow and expand and um, think, think about more things, learn about more things, grow through things, and the other person is just content and happy with where they're at. Yeah, that it, it, it makes, I mean, growth is already challenging enough, you know, in, in a good way, but it's still challenging, or at least any significant growth is going to be challenging. So, so to have someone who is not only not growing with you to make it easier, but who adds, maybe you feel guilty because you're growing all these ways and they're not, even if they're happy with it, you know, or have them worse, even say, well, why are you doing these things? Like you're fine the way you are. You don't need these things. Like that just adds more complications to it. So. I totally agree. And it seems as if we have really similar viewpoints on online dating. Um, I definitely tried it over the last couple of years and I've definitely deleted all the apps multiple times of like, I'm so done. I'm so sick of this. And uh, twice this year, I've taken good long breaks and I feel healthier. I feel happier um, without it. And was it when people started coming to you that you realized that there was a lack of authenticity in that world? Oh man, I... I was just all about offline in general, even when online was doing its thing. I was like, whatever, they can do their thing. That's great. People use them. Oh, now people are complaining about them. I'm still teaching offline, you know, having fun, human connection. Every time I like check in with online dating and apps, it's just getting worse over there, you know? And then people just started coming to me because they, they were already in pain. They didn't need me to say, Hey, do you not like online dating? They were already there. So it's, Oh, I could not have predicted how quickly it would get this bad, but unfortunately it did. And there's not a lot of solutions out there. You know, there's, okay, you, you can hire a 10000 to $50,000 matchmaker. That's one solution. But like, there aren't a, a lot of next steps to kind of fill this void of, okay, I detoxed for my apps. Now what do I do? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, so that's what, that's what I want. I wrote this book, The Offline Dating Method. It's a step-by-step how-to manual of how to connect with with other humans in like fun anecdotal ways and baby steps. Mm -hmm. I had always convinced myself that like as a busy business owner, online was the only way that I was going to meet somebody new. And I really had to like go through my own detox as I was encouraged by one of my clients to do. And then we started doing it as a group together. We have, we have clients from all over the country who join us each weekend, New Mexico and Nashville and Kansas city are some of our regulars that jump on board and we're happy to help people 
uh, detox from Instagram and Facebook so that they can show up more present uh, with family and friends when it matters the most. And I've got to be honest that after four months of doing it every single weekend, um, I've seen huge strides forward and it's helped me uh, actually be more patient and gracious and compassionate for other people and actually find genuine connection in the real world. Yay. <laughs> it's, it's cool what ha can happen when you open up that space for that and you're not so compulsed to be attached to your phone, which is a compulsion. It's wired to make you addicted to it. So don't feel bad if you are addicted, but know that it's within your power. You know, any, anyone watching right now who feels like, oh, I feel I'm totally addicted to my phone. It's designed that way. Don't feel bad, but, but you can change it, you know, with, through some of the ways that we talked about or by joining Dave's group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's totally free and people can just go to the website. I mean, it's so much fun to actually have conversations with other people who are feeling the same way that I am because we don't want to feel like we're alone. And um, I ask each and every guest of mine what their number on the Enneagram is. And, and you mentioned that you're the helper and I'm the challenger. But mm. if, we, if we go even deeper, um, there are some instincts that come along with each personality type. And mine just happens to be known as the sexual or one-to-one -one instinct. Mm. And that instinct is driven for connection. And when I kind of uncovered that about myself, um, I realized why online dating never felt authentic or comfortable to me, even though I kept trying because I saw other friends and family or coworkers or clients actually finding success there. Um, that's the determining factor. And when I become aware of it, I was like, oh, it's so much easier for me to date offline when I understand where I'm coming from. I love that. Yeah. And it's such an individual choice because someone telling you you should get offline is not very powerful at all. If anything, it may make you put your foot down and be like, no. <laughs> but to, for you to come to your own conclusion and be like, oh, I want to do this, that is so powerful. Plus, I like to say offline dating is multitasking. You got to go to the grocery store anyway. You got to go to the post office and the bank. Might you know, as well meet the one while you're there. <laughs> exactly. It's very efficient. <laughs> it's so efficient. It's saving you gas. And time. <laughs> yep. One-stop shopping at our local Sprouts. That's right. The most ironic thing I've ever seen is like um, on a dating app, they have certain prompts and it's like, oh, well, we'll just tell people that we met at Whole Foods. That's a prompt? It's like, um, it's in response to like one of the prompts that's on any of the apps that's out there. Like I've seen multiple people in their profiles saying, well, let's tell everybody we met at Whole Foods so that we avoid the stigma of online dating. Oh, geez. I mean, Which, if you already have, have to lie about something with, with someone you haven't even met yet, that is not the way to start off a relationship. However funny that comment is, it's ultimately ironic because that person is probably seeking a genuine connection with another human being, and they know that they are less likely to find it when they're on an app. How about they just go to Whole Foods and actually meet someone at Whole Foods? <laughs> no, their heads down, their faces in their app. <laughs> and that's that's where the choice comes in, I think. You know, people um that that is your choice to do that. And I know it can be terrifying to if you're out of practice to not have something in your hand, to not have a screen in front of your face, to look someone in the eye. 
I understand very well. And, and Dave, I'm, I'm sure you do too. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't overcome that. You literally are wired to do that. You've got it. You just gotta, you gotta get in the habit to uncover and detox from all the stuff that you've been programmed to do in our everyday tech world. Mm -hmm. Those distractions. Mm -hmm. yeah, and those, those handicaps and safety barriers, safety um, mm -hmm. in the short term feel good in the long term are seriously messing up your, your need for connection. <laughs> Amen to that 100%. So if your message resonates with somebody out there, what's the best way for them to connect with you? So um, I actually have uh, a free challenge called the Offline Dating Challenge, three days to a red hot date in the real world. And um, anyone can join that for free. And it, right now I have the one written for uh, humans who are attracted to men, but I'm in the process of writing ones for humans who are attracted to women so that it can be all inclusive. Um, but really it's just human connection skills. You know, I've had men go through the, the challenge that's up right now and and find some some great tidbits. So um, they can find that at masterofflinedating.com forward slash B, B, E. Be yourself, be real, be bold. Anyway. <laughs> That's why I named it that. Yep. Right. <laughs> right. So if there's one thing that we didn't get to today or didn't touch on that you wanted or that we briefly touched on and you want to expand on it, what would that be? Who, um, I mean, for me personally, I loved, uh, the part about the, um, attachment style because as an anxious and you being an avoidant, I don't think I've ever had a conversation with someone knowing that they are an avoidant and understanding where they're coming from. I've only experienced it from people who they didn't know they were in. I didn't know I was anxious. It was a total mess. So <laughs> I'd love I to think, dig into that more. <laughs> I think that's the beauty of having these conversations um, without expectation of the outcome. Um, why I don't become to the conversation scripted. Yes, I have questions that are in the back of my mind about like my curiosity just wants to know what your opinion is on this one topic. But, you know, Zoom makes this world a really small place. And um, I know your time is valuable, so I won't take up too much more of it. But this gives us an opportunity to connect as human beings, understand where the other is coming from so that we can help ourselves for one, but also help others to understand who they are in a relatable way. I love that. And sometimes it's very hard. Well, I'd say usually it's really hard to see our own stuff and how we act from our own perspective. I mean, it, a picture can't see its own frame. But to see other people talking about things and being able to identify, oh yeah, that sounds familiar. Oh my gosh, I never thought about it that way. These small little hits and perspective shifts can amount to huge changes. So kudos to every single person who's watching this who wants to learn something and be and is open to that. You're awesome. <laughs> I, want, I, 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 I cannot do this community without them. You know, like uh, those people that come to me with questions or um, the people are, that are like, Dave, your interview with X, Y, and Z were just like life-changing and the principles are not, they're not just for singles who are looking for somebody. They're not just no. for those dating on an app or offline. These mm -hmm. are principles for life and to live the best life that we possibly can. I'm into that. <laughs> well, thank you so very much again. Um, I'll put all of your contact information in the show notes below as well as the blog. And what do you say in the next six to 12 months, we circle back and see where um, 
our anxious and avoidant personality attachment styles are at that time. That sounds great. I'd love to come back. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks.